Hello, welcome to Tabletop and Tangents. And I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And today we'll be talking Exalted as soon as Pete manages to plug in his computer. Okay. I don't care. Exalted. Uh, oh, geez, where do we begin? I guess the basic overview of the setting is. Would you call it high fantasy? I'd call it high fantasy. Yeah. I it's... mean, maybe the world at large isn't really high fantasy anymore, but there's a lot of similar themes going on. Yeah. I guess mythic fantasy would work well, too. Yeah. But yeah, it's more than Lord of the Rings, less than Greyhawk. Yeah. Uh, whatchamacallit? Uh, where do we start? Uh, effectively, you play in this world called Creation, which was created by the Primordials, who came out of, like, this huge mess of chaos. And they effectively wanted to be, like, worshipped and stuff, so they created mortal races like uh, humans and a bunch of other stuff that I am blanking on right now and they also created the gods who were like made to watch over them and basically they just stood around and didn't do and uh, were kind of assholes honestly before you start judging them keep in mind that I would have done ex that I would have created humans for exactly that reason, too. Well, you know. <laughs> anyway, uh... So, yeah. And, uh... Whatchamacallit? Oh, yeah, the gods basically couldn't harm the primordials. So, they all got together and were like, Okay, how do we get rid of these guys? So, they went and, like... Hey, we got these human things. What if we give them powers to beat up gods? And that's how the exalted were made. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, to get more into specifics, there were like five. Di am I thinking five? What there were? No. Uh, what solar, lunar. Liminal. Um, well, liminal weren't around. Oh in the yeah, they—they're kind of new. Uh, Solar, lunar, sidereal, dragon-blooded, and was there? No, is there another I'm missing? I feel like I'm missing one. Yeah. Uh, just because there's five of everything, should be a fifth one. I mean, there's the exigents, but those are just the. I want to be special, can I play this class? They're the, hey, you want to make your own exalted go hog wild. Basically. Sidereal. They're basically the extemporis from Promethean. Anyway, well, anyway, yeah. So, yeah, the five celestial... Was it? The celestial incarnate, which are basically the five biggest, baddest gods who created the biggest, baddest exalted... There's there's the unconquered sun, also known sun. as soul soul incarnate, or uh, Ignis divine, I think. 
who created the solar exalted. Yeah. Uh, so basically, they're the ones you're going to be playing for most games of exalted. Uh, their thing is they were humans who were who accomplished some great feat and were exalt. They were given the second breath because they well because they accomplished this and it usually and what type what caste they join is linked usually to what they did uh, as mortals yeah what they did as mortals uh, whatchamacallit yeah they used to be in charge, but then there was a whole thing with the dragon blooded that we'll get into later. Yeah, basically, after the Exalted defeated the Primordials and sent them to hell, literally, and killed a couple of them, which causes problems later down in the road, they basically ruled over creation for an extremely long time until the Solars kinda went nuts out of. As you do when you're in power. Yeah. And there's a very long, uh, there's a very long tradition in like both games of the ruling class going insane. Starting out way back in Werewolf the Apocalypse with the Silver Fangs. Yeah. So basically, the Sidereal Exalted are like, hey, let's use our powers of future sight to see how well this goes. And they're like, okay, so here's what could happen. The Solars, they can snap out of this and basically lead creation on to even greater glory. They can not snap out of this and basically destroy creation. Or you can get rid of Solars and everything will be not as great, but creation will go on. So basically, they were like, we should probably go with a third option. And went over to the Dragon Blooded Exalted and they were like, Hey, hey, you know what'd be cool? Betraying the Solars. And so they betrayed the Solars. Yep. And they, so, so Sidereal Exalted used their abilities to, like, basically lock away all the Solar exal Exaltations and, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, keep them from ever seeing the light of day and also altered fate so they could never get caught ever. <laughs> Yep, so basically they are the... Nowadays, they're more the probably evil power behind the throne types who you will never see ever. And yeah, basically that uh, time site and Martial arts, strangely enough, are their things. Well, you know, hey. I, I mean, mean, you gotta have something physical. I mean, hey, who doesn't want to have cool martial arts powers? Yep. But yeah. Uh, and basically, their future abilities come from, like, oh, they can see anything that happens inside fate, and it can't. But then, uh, but they can't see stuff that is outside of fate, like, fairies or the the fair folk rather whatever they're being called rakshasha they have a bunch of different names it's yeah. very odd 
Uh, they refer to similar concepts. Yeah. But yeah, they can't see whatever comes from the wild, which is basically the endless expanse of chaos outside of creation. Yeah. So a disease came from the wild, and boy howdy, everything got fucked. We need the worm. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so they were completely blindsided by that, and they eventually decided. And basically everything wasn't great for a while until... Uh, this lady called the Scarlet Empress came and found this super weapon, basically. Uh, is it still called the Rum Defense Grid? Yeah, it's the Rum Defense Grid. But anyway, yeah, and effectively united all the dragon-blooded into this giant empire. Mm-hmm. Ruled from the full of Earth. Yeah. Which is actually in the middle of the flat Earth. Mm -hmm. Looks like the lizard people were right on this one. Yep. Yeah, creation has several poles of elements. The middle is earth, there is water, uh, wood, air, and fire. Yeah, fire is to the south, air is to the north. I think water is to the west, and wood is to the east. Yep. Uh, yeah, so the north is pretty much just... A lot of it's just a bunch of ruins now, and there are a couple settlements of survivors who can live in this environment, uh, not been being exploited by the by the Empire from their headquarters in the Blessed Isle in the center. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah. They kind of do that to everyone, honestly. Well, but, you know, yeah. as empires do. Yep. Then the wet, then the uh, the Great Western Ocean is basically pirate land. Well, what else are you gonna do when you have an ocean? You can't not be a pirate. Well, you have to. You have to be a pirate. Or you can be a normal merchant and get robbed by pirates. So you become a pirate. So you don't get robbed by pirates. Then you make more pirates. Yep. But There's yeah. also a bunch of sea monsters, because... There have to be. Yeah. You can't have a giant ocean in a fantasy setting without sea monsters. You've got to have something to keep your players from ever wanting to go on a boat. What's that? Cthulhu's down there? Oh, I guess it's Tuesday again. Yeah. Anyway, uh, but yeah. Yeah, and... Yeah, and then the east is basically a giant forest, uh, and well, more jungle than just forest, and catching a lot of vibes from both the Mayans and uh, early Indian culture here. Yeah, uh, Native American. Uh, oh, no, I meant uh, India. Oh, okay, India, sorry. Yeah. It's confusing, because... Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, but common no, uh, misconception. Yeah, just because, I mean, the Rakshasa and the... Exalted takes from a lot of different cultures. It does, I love it. Yeah. Just because it kind of rebrands everything as its, as its own thing while still paying... While still being, well, accurate enough to the initial myths. Which I think you don't see enough of. A lot of the time they either change something whole hog or don't. 
Yeah. Uh, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. Basically, the dragon-blooded exalted are like the exalted of the elements, mm -hmm. kind of like Avatar, albeit I think they were invented before Avatar was the thing. No, 2001 was when the uh, first edition came out. 2001 was when the first edition came out. I think I was 12 when Avatar first started. So it was like 2010, maybe? 2010 was when it came out, I think. I think it was earlier. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, each controls has power over the elements. Air, fire, water, earth, it, wood, which yeah. it's the five Chinese elements, so yeah. that's why that's there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like uh, it. Honestly, I like it better. Too much four element stuff, but finally seeing a five element thing is refreshing. refreshing, yeah. Only other game I've seen that does that is Pathfinder with one of its variant wizard concepts. Yeah. Don't forget the para-elemental planes and the quasi-elemental planes. The Remember the elemental plane of ooze? Or the elemental plane of lightning? Those are fun places see, to go to. See, I think I dated the former. Ah. But... Not too sure about the latter. Yeah. Uh, what should? Oh yeah, dragon blooded exalted control the elements, etc., etc. They get powers by work. They get they ha have abilities that get better with working together as a team. So they're very good in groups. Also, unlike the other types of exalted, they get powers from like their bloodline. Like. Solar Exalted and all the rest of the Exalted basically, they basically have like a piece, a soul kind of piece thing that gets yeah. onto them. They like, they have multiple parts of their soul. There's a regular mortal soul and their Exalted soul that just leaves when they die and passes on to another being. Yeah, if you've ever played uh, Mage the Ascension, uh, the Exalted soul is basically the Avatar. Basically. So you've got the version that's actually you, and then there's the part that gets passed down. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. But unlike the solar, lunar, sidereal, they get their powers from bloodlines, which is why the realm can be a bit persnickety about, like, marriage and stuff. Yep. Uh, so... Um, the Lunar Exalted were originally supposed to be mates for the Solars, but yeah, that kind of changed. Everything about the Lunars kind of changes I, what defines them. Uh, I think, like, originally they had five casts, like the rest of the Exalted, but due to, like, them going into the wild and changing, it was changed to three, which I believe might or might not be referenced to the first edition where they had like five casts, albeit I could be confusing it with something else as my knowledge is kind of jumbled together from like several different sources. Yeah. Uh, oh geez, we are just jumping around, aren't we? Yeah, I mean, 
shouldn't be too difficult to bring it back. Just describe the other types of exalted. Uh, the sidereals are basically in charge of fate, making sure everything goes smoothly. Their god, gods rather, are the five maidens. The maiden of serenity, maiden of endings, maiden of secrets, and maiden of... Oh geez, serenity, ending, secrets. Why? Journey? Journey. Uh, journey, serenity, battles, secrets, and endings. Okay, there we go. Thanks. And these are linked to uh, five planets, uh, Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn, which... Uh, Interesting that creation has those as well. Well, they're just named after those five planets. True. You know, don't don't worry about it. Oh, eh? yeah. But this just kind of emphasizes uh, early... Ex it's something that's left over from early Exalted, being a predecessor to World of Darkness, where basically they tried to make it the world before it started becoming like our world. Yeah. A little bit. But, you know. So, borrowing some stuff from our universe. Just having Earth change is an interesting take on things. Uh, which... But, yeah. Each of them have powers over fate and basically dealing with the stuff that they... You know, each of their maidens preside over. Yeah. And they also know martial... Uh, really good versions of martial arts which basically are reality warping. Mm -hmm. uh, the Siderials are split up into several factions, mainly the Bronze Faction and the Gold Faction. The Bronze fa Faction wants to basically get rid of the Solars still, and the Gold Faction basically likes, hey, we can control the Solars. Like, we can be that man-behind-the-man thing we wore for the dragon blood and make creation better. Yeah. And speaking of, uh, the oh, we already talked about the dragonflies, never mind. More or less. Uh, yeah, we talked about them when we went over the poles. Yeah. Uh, the Lunar Exalted are basically the Exalted of Luna, shockingly enough. They have the ability of shape-shifting and gain their second breath when they, you know, survive something. Yeah. They are totally not werewolves, y'all. I mean, hey, totally not. don't worry about it. Anyway, but yeah, they were created as partners to the Solars, and each have, like, a Solar mate that they are attached to, which, like, creates all different types of relationships. Sometimes it's romantic, sometimes it's closer to siblings, sometimes it's outright antagonistic or rivalry. The end. Uh... They have abilities of shape-shifting, they can drink other people, or drink other beings' bloods in order to gain their form, or they can eat their hearts or hunt them in some way, typically. But yeah. Uh, they were sort of pushed to the outskirts of creation when the Sid, when uh, the rebellion against the Solars happened. Basically, they created moon silver tattoos in order to not be affected by the wild's mutations, turning them into which would turn them into monsters if they didn't have it. Yeah. 
In terms of casts, they have three of them. Uh, the Full Moon cast, which is the Warriors. The Changing Moon cast, which is the Social Splat. And the No Moon cast, which is the Wizard Splat. Uh, it's basically you've got physical, social, mental going on there. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you'd expect the changing moons to be the most common, but I mean, second deaths don't really work that way, so I imagine they're more or less equal. Yeah. In terms of numbers. Uh, oh, yeah, so basically, uh, so yeah, like five years ago in setting, the Scarlet Empress disappeared, vanishing when the realm needed her most. You know, authority figures in RPGs always tend to do that. Well, hey, I mean, you want to take her place, and if anyone want to take her place, I mean, feel free. You'll just have to get through, like, Game of Thrones-esque politics with godlike super beasts. So vampire, got it. I mean, no. <laughs> they don't even have to be secretive about it. Oh, yeah. So, like... The Dark Ages. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, oh yeah, but basically after the Scarlet Empress disappeared, the prison that was holding the Solar Exalted open, and also different Exalted started appearing over time. Hmm. Like the Abyssal Exalted, which are... They're basically the Dark Mirror of the Solars. Yeah, they're basically evil assholes who want to destroy everything. Yep, and their casts mirror the solars, which... Instead of the dawn cast, they have the dusk cast. Instead of the... Instead of the zenith cast, they have the midnight cast. Instead of the eclipse cast, they have the moon shadow cast. So, just a different type of eclipse. Uh, instead of the night cast, they have the day cast. And instead of the twilight cast, they have the daybreak cast. So, an interesting thing to note about this, in, like, in previous editions, the reason that they mirror the Solar Exalted is because like these creatures called the Neverborn got a hold of like a bunch of solar ex like 150 Solar Exalts and like reversed them because they lack creativity hmm. or was it 150 or is it uh, I, I remember half of the solar exalted exaltations yeah. disappeared and like some of them became the uh, abyssal exalted and some of them became uh, the infernals uh, but basically, yeah, they outright reversed them and wanted them to destroy creation so they can finally die because they're the ghost of the primordials. Cause, mm -hmm. And creation didn't have a system for like dealing with the death of primordials. Like when mortals die, they sort of, uh, whatchamacallit, they go through the process of reincarnations. The, celest the primordials didn't do that, so they leave behind these yeah. evil ghosts that are oh. in constant agony. They just kind of sit around in pain and getting angry at everything, so oh, yeah. something's got to give here. Oh yeah, it also created the underworld, which basically is, it's what you'd expect. Oh, yeah. It's dark, dreary, no one really likes being there. You don't have to pay for heating though, that's nice. Well, 
<laughs> I mean, when you're a ghost, you don't have to pay for a lot of things. Yep. The end abyssal, so... So they've got a thing for necromancy, and a lot of them have a weird sense of honor. Well... As well. Yeah, they also have to regain essence by drinking blood if they're not, like, in a Shadowland or a part of uh, the Underworld. In previous editions, I'm not sure how that'll be handled yeah. in this edition. They also have, like, uh, whatchamacallit. But, yeah. Oh, yeah, in previous editions, they also have the ability to, like, become Solar Exalted again by doing certain stuff. Like, they have to... I think they have to, like, free their... No, no, they have to, like, do something her absurdly heroic, I think. Again, I'm not... I don't fully remember the yeah. details. Basically, they've got to just act completely against their nature in order to change into what they once were. Oh, yeah, and Abyssal's second breath comes on the cusp of death, basically. Where, like, the Neverborn are like, hey, you look like you're about to die. How about you not die? And uh, you work for me to make everything else die. Do you want? Then you can die. Do you want to make a contract? Uh, which one? Uh, so yeah. Yeah. And then. Oh yeah. Uh, there are the they are led by the Death Lord, which are basically like ghosts of former Solars, I think. Albeit, I'm not again. Yeah. A lot of this information comes from previous editions, so I'm not sure how it'll be yeah, changed. Yeah, probably changed a bit. Like, uh, I think there were five listed origin in the previous edition, and now in this edition there are three, I believe. <sighs> uh, there's the, uh, oh geez, there's the liminal exalted, yeah, which are. So the liminal exalted were assembled from patchwork corpses, and parts of them constantly fall off, so they've got to replace it. Well, yeah, they're made when something tries to bring something, when someone tries to bring some, when you try to bring the dead back to life, essentially. Yeah. Uh, some undefined entity calls out to them and brings them back. They are typically not whatever the person is trying to bring back. Yeah. Uh, they're typically different in personality. They have abilities to, like, uh... Which effectively take body parts from different people and gain their abilities. Mm -hmm. And as long as their brain is still there, they can keep coming back even from death. Yeah. They are similar. Wait, no. They have different uh, cast as well blood, breath, flesh, marrow, and soil. And these define the emotions that drive them. Or at least, uh, what, or at least what created them. Yeah. And there's a link between the creator and the liminal. Uh, there's also the Jedaman e exalted. The how do you pronounce that? I don't know. I don't think they're in third. Uh, no. Well, they were mentioned in, like, the Kickstarter thing, because being... Well, no, they're not in the Chord books. Jedi Mian Exalted? 
uh, yeah, not much is known about them. They don't even like fill up a page in uh, the regular book. G e t i m i a n. But a bit, but basically they're like uh, the rivals to the Siderials. They want to destroy fate, I believe. They're led by a runaway Siderial named Rakan Thulio, who's basically been at war with Yusha or the Heaven. Not again. Not much is known about them. Uh, apparently, they have their spines are spider webs, and they have spiders living inside them. But that's about it. They're living paradoxes or something. They are remains of tattered fate. Apparently, again, not much known yeah. until like they actually make a book out out of them. Probably. Yeah. Considering. Considering how long some books spend in development hell, we might not be seeing it for years. Yeah. Uh, uh, Infernal Exalted are basically like... Uh, so yeah, remember the Primordials? Yeah, they got their hands on a couple Exalted too, and decided, hey, you know what would be great? If these guys could get us out of hell. And basically, they contact like people who could have been solars but weren't. Uh, I believe that's all the exalted types, correct? Uh, there's also the exigents, which I mentioned briefly earlier. Yep. They're basically just kind of a mix and match special individual power set. Oh yeah, they are created by a god. They're basically created by a god who is like. Man, I need help with something, or yeah. man, this problem is pretty dire. You want to be an exalted? Uh, basically, if a god who isn't the unconquered son likes you, that's what you become. Yeah, unconquered son. Yeah, isn't one of the big isn't five. One of the big five, yeah. I just bring up the unconquered son because, well, solars are kind of a lens we view the world through most of the time. Yeah, at least in the core book. Yeah. Uh. Uh. <coughs> uh. Should we talk about different mechanics then? Yeah. Uh, so uh, the thing that really drew me into third edition, I know this might get a lot of heat. Uh, I really like the withering versus decisive combat system. So basically, you got your join battle, which is your initiative as you usually see it defined, but your attacks that you the attacks that you make with your dex plus weapon skill and then the and then the various adjustments that happen afterwards are actually damage to your opponent's initiative yeah it's similar to final fantasy dissidia yeah and like you have to build up uh, this yeah. damage and make one big attack. But yeah, so basically you've got these small ineffectual attacks that are meant to wear the enemy down, and then if you want a decisive attack, you just roll your initiative. And and that's how much actual damage you do to your enemy. And I like this just because it leads to 
drawn out combat without that uh, hit point system that still has the that has the option to be more narratively driven uh, all too often and especially other white wolf games you don't really have that much you have like two attacks and then combat's over or everyone's just whipping each other <laughs> well yeah a lot of tabletop combat evolved from like war game combat, yeah. so it's so, uh, good to see it like kind of try to diverge from that. Oh yeah, it's really nice to see a system where it's not just there's a room full of enemies. Okay, I throw a fireball at it, or I attack, then you attack. It's a, there's or, a different type of strategy involved. Or I hit it with my stick rather than I try to hit it with my stick, but I know it'll miss. I'm trying to wear him down. And yeah. I'm gonna really hit him with my stick. Yeah. Jeez. I hit him I hit him with my stick is one of the like It is It is the epitome of like casters versus spider. The yeah. basically the story around this is that like we were playing an A D and D campaign against uh we were fighting the final boss, which is basically yes. a dragon man. Or a, a half elf that turned himself tried to turn himself into a drag. Uh, he was yes, also he a bard. Was calling upon his, he was calling upon his connection with the land and his heritage, which was linked to this. He was descended from this incredibly powerful dragon that later became a Draco Lich, and he was basically trying to. Basically, he was trying to become this dragon, but the dragon got a hold of his brain a little bit. But yeah, we were fighting the final boss of the campaign, and like, we were a cleric and a fighter, and we had a paladin NPC. Was she a paladin? Or was she a Whatever, she was, I'm just gonna say yeah, she's she was a, a paladin. Yeah, a paladin NPC with us. And like, our cleric, which was played by Adrian at the, played by Adrian, he was like, yeah. Like giving off all this dramatic prose about like the spells yeah. he cast and like at one point he used the souls of the souls and the ashes of the things that were making up the wall of flesh that they encountered beforehand. Oh yeah, to create like minions effectively. Yeah. And I'm just and my turn comes up and I just say really defeated. <laughs> I, I I hit him with my stick. Yeah. I think that was actually what killed him, and then he exploded on you in a giant cloud of acid. And then I died. Both of you died. Yeah, we got better, though. Oh, yeah. Uh, the cleric's church had a staff of resurrection that was with their caravan, and the cleric made a deal with the goddess of undeath to come back to life. So, yeah, everything works out in the end. Yep. Oh, jeez. Was a happy ending. Sure. Happy enough. Sure, let's go with that. <laughs> oh, jeez. And the fighter's contract with a, with an archdevil was only until death, and he did die, so the contract is null and void now. Yeah, it's like <laughs> escaping taxes. Yep. Just fake your... Just die, and then, you know, it's over. You know, I... I think I remember a life insurance scam that was basically they'd kill themselves and then get resuscitated. 
horrible plan, by the way, don't do this, and then sue to get their life insurance because they technically died. <laughs> oh, jeez. Uh, what else was I saying? And it's also the reason why uh, double life sentences are a thing. Ah. Uh, uh, oh, yeah. Uh, what was I? Oh, yeah. Speaking of, like, the descriptiveness of combat, they, like, have a system in place for, like, if you make called stunting in this system, which is basically, like, if you make a good enough, like, description of your attack mm -hmm. or, like, really fancy, like, you can get extra dice yeah. for it. It's basically, in canon, it's basically, there are these pattern spiders which also watch over fate, and their only entertainment is watching Exalted do sick stuff, and they're like, hey, that was cool, I'll allow it, and basically bend fate in your favor. Oh yeah, more mechanics. Uh, do But yeah, uh, basically, it's standard D10 storyteller system. You use, you have dots in different uh, abilities like attributes, skills, yeah, and you combine them to have your dice. Now also taking into account different weaponry and charms which are basically like pseudo magical abilities you can do like since you're exalted you uh since you're exalted you're basically better at doing everything yeah the so the best charm by far is something called ox body technique that gives you extra health it is infinitely better than anything else you can take and you should just stack it on top of itself yeah, sure. Let's Definitely. let's go with that. But no. In all seriousness, there are a lot of so charms are based on individual skills. So basically if something's linked to your cast, it's easier to if the skill is linked to your cast, it's easier to buy it. And there's just yeah, there's a pretty wide variety going on um. oh yeah there are also intimacies which are basically beliefs like yeah. things you are attached to as a character so yeah. you don't become like my one goal is this murder hobo yeah it's an anti-murder hobo mechanism which I really like uh, there's also flaws which you can get extra stuff by yeah. taking them hmm. Yep, and merits, which are basically the anti-flaws. Yep. Taking, like, taking the maximum amount of flaws usually it doesn't really make for an interesting character, but if you just put one or two that are really... that are just really out there or don't seem to go with the rest of your concept, it can make for some really interesting roleplay. For instance, a Dawn cast with the Fear of the Spiders. <laughs> a sidereal with a fear of spiders. Oh, that would be even worse, because... Uh, willpower, flaws, health, essence. Yeah. Oh, yeah, essence. Essence is basically... It's basically your level. Slash mana stuff. Yeah. Uh, it is separated into moat pools, which is basically... Essence is basically how... How, how do I describe this? So, essence is the stuff that makes up the universe. It's kind of in everything. 
and it powers magic charms. It's what sets the exalted apart from normal, from normal mortals. I believe they have more of it and know how to use it better than most normal mortals. Yeah. Albeit there are like several magic academies in the book that was, or yeah. I think there's at least one magic academy that was mentioned in the book. Yeah. But yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're basically the, they're the exception, not the rule. Yeah, exalt or essence is basically overall like how powerful you are, and you spend moats to use different abilities such as charms. Or like to get extra dice, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, which replenishes itself over time. And an important thing to note about essence: it goes up exponentially. Yeah. So you get ridiculously more powerful every time your essence increases, and it uses kind of a milestone XP system to increase it, if I remember correctly. So you can't buy it with normal XP; it's basically DM fiat. Yeah, there's solar XP and normal XP, which I'm not exactly sure of the difference currently. But yeah, whenever you use your essence, uh, basically it gives off your anima banner, which is basically how... Oh jeez, your anima banner is basically just a reflection of yourself. Like, mm -hmm. it is... Like, an anima ba banner could be... Uh, it, it could be like a rising phoenix that appears in the sky or something, yeah. or a dragon, or it could be like really ornate, like a flower blooming or something. It's basically what appears behind you during your transformation sequence. Base? I mean, you're not wrong. But yeah, when you spend essence, it gets brighter and brighter. From like... From like... Just glow a faint to like not invit to. Oh jeez, I'm really bad at speaking. To like barely appearing at all. To like a massive miles or mile long like bonfire. Also, flaring your anima gives you like a bunch of different bonuses to like using it depending on what what exalted and what cast you are. Albeit, it can be very dangerous to use as solar exalted tend to be hunted down by the wild hunt. Which are basically like the dragon blooded making sure that like you know shit's not going down. Oh yeah, I forgot about the Immaculate Faith. Basically, uh it was the Siderials and the Dragon Blooded created this like yeah, it's a bunch of anti solar propaganda, is what it is. It's also a bit of Confucianism as like, mm -hmm. oh hey, if you do good you'll be reincarnated into a like dragon blooded or whatever in the next life, which is not in it's not entirely untrue, but you yeah, know it's, it's kinda glossing over the main situation, kinda serves as a way for the dragon blooded to or well, the sidereals to stay in power with the dragon blooded as the figureheads. Yeah. Basically get it's basically whole legend is that like these five dragon blooded exalted came in and whooped the solars which the dragon blooded called Anathema? Anthema? Anathema. Anath... Ana fuck. Give me a minute. Anathema. Ass. And we're like, yeah, we're pretty rad. Hey, if you do these things, you can be cool like us, too. Yeah, so... And everyone was cool, and nothing bad ever happened, ever. They, uh... They basically redefined what the Solars were. 
Oh yeah, they have different names for each cast of Solars, even. So, uh, the Dawn cast are the Forsaken, because they were the most cruel and brutal of the Anathema, and they served the... They basically just enforced this horrible rule that the Solars were propping up. Dragonblood rose up against this, and the other Anathema just kind of left them behind. Wow. And as a reminder of being betrayed, they are now known as the Forsaken. The Zenith cast... The Zenith cast was known as the Blasphemous. They're the... Uh, and... Basically, they enslaved the innocent and tried to bind mortals in service to the Dark Gods. And they engaged in a lot of horrible shit, including human sacrifice and bacchanalia. And the dragon blood had shattered this whole shattered this whole mindset with the Immaculate Philosophy. And now the Zenith cast is only remembered as the blasphemous ones. Twilight cast are the unclean because they struck bargains with demons. I mean, who doesn't strike bargains with demons? I mean, People it's pretty common. Power. Yeah, exactly. Losers. Losers don't strike deals with demons. Exactly. But yeah, the Twilight cast are the sorcerers, so it makes sense that the Dragonblood would say that they got their power from making deals with demons. Apparently, they fed entire cities to their patrons. And the Nightcast were known as the Wretched, who, according to the Dragonblood, couldn't stand the touch of sunlight. And they basically served as the secret police of the solar regime. Not entirely untrue. Oh yeah, no. They are assassins, There's but... a bit of accuracy in all of this. It's just that it's pretty heavily twisted from what they actually are. And the Eclipse cast were the deceivers. Instead, instead of the diplomats, the Solars are generally known as today. Or, well, they were known as. The Dragonblood say that they were really just... That... All they really did was try to get people to turn over to serve them, and basically they fooled all the people into believing their lies. Almost like the dragon blood themselves, but Yeah, or this idea or, or anyone Sidereals. honestly in this I say setting. Dragon blooded, but it's really the Sidereals. Honestly, everyone's doing a lot of deceiving yeah. in general. Oh yeah. No, and you get the feeling throughout this whole book that maybe the Solars aren't that great. I mean, hey, hey, but they're only as great as the way you play them. Exactly. You know, play a Nightcast Assassin. Assassino! Yep. His name's Biggles the Toothbrush. And there's the, <laughs> there it is. Anyways, uh, 
Yeah, the dragon blooded basically, or well, not the immaculate philosophy, or immaculate faith. Sorry, basically villainized the solos so that the dragon blooded would seem more virtuous in in return. Yeah. So like, yeah, don't go off like, don't blare your anima every fight. You're gonna get in trouble real quick. Oh no, you're gonna get hunted down so quickly. Unless you're in one of those weird areas where there aren't any. Yeah. In which case, there's probably something worse. Oh man, it's awesome. There's no dragon blooded here. Smiles and fair folk. <laughs> <laughs> or behemoth. Or abyssal. Or. There's a lot of things I want to kill you in this game, not gonna lie. That's what makes it a good RPG setting. Yep. Everything's against you until it's not. Yep. That being said, Kagigami High had a good non-antagonistic society, but that's because it was weird that this stuff wasn't antagonistic. Oh boy, Kagigami High. Oh, yeah. That nice. was... Pupil Teacher Spider Association is all I need to say about that. Uh, hey, w watch watch our stuff. Watch our other stuff, yeah. please. I'm begging you. I work hard on this. Yeah. Anyway, uh, social actions, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, it's different from combat, which is nice. Uh, basically, you can install there's a list of social actions which you can do. There is instilling, which is used to change the feelings of belief or feelings and belief of a person. There is persuade, which allows you to convince other characters to do something. Threaten. It, it, it's threaten. I don't. I don't know what you expect out of this. It's when you ask very nicely for something while breaking someone's things. Well, you're. Very luck. Well, your very large, beefy bodyguard just stares at the person from the other side of the room. I mean, basically, there's inspire, which is used to incite emotion, strong passions. Yep. Uh, read intentions, which is also very straightforward. Yeah. It's like, is he telling the truth? It is based on several different stuff. It's based on appearance and performance skill. You know, social skills. Yeah. But yeah. Might just go over the attributes real quick. Uh sure. So yeah, uh this uses the same uh ap same attributes uh spread as classic world of darkness. So you've got strength, uh which is the damage you do with your withering attacks, how well you grapple. Uh it's Good for lifting, throwing, yeah, just, it's strength. Uh, dexterity is, is how well you can defend against stuff, uh, as well as precise motions, uh, pickpocketing, it's your standard rogue skill. Also determines the accuracy of your attacks, so it's what you roll for the initial attack. Uh, stamina is your soak pool as well. Uh, well, no, I'm thinking of world of darkness. But yeah, stamina is your 
It reduces damage you take. It's good for fighting off poison disease. Being just wasted away. Sleep deprivation. Drowning. Yeah. Charisma is when you're trying... Basically, your social influence when you're telling the truth. Manipulation is your social influence when you're lying or trying to hide something. And appearance is how striking your looks are, not necessarily how good-looking you are. Mm, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Yep. Though beholders are owned by Wizards of the Coast, so I guess we'll never know. Yeah. Perception is exactly that. I like how it's an attribute rather than a pool or a skill. Yep, we don't have to ask every time. What do I use to get my perception? Twits plus composure plus one because you're werewolves. Yeah, every time someone asks oh, yeah. what it is. Every time. It seems to be a pretty common thread, too. I've gotten it in any group that I've run, New World. I mean, it's printed in small lettering at the bottom of the sheet, but... It's easier to ask. Yeah. There's an, there's also intelligence, which is like... Yeah. It's intelligence. Yeah, it's rational thinking, drawing connections. And then there's wits, which is your common sense. Your street smarts, as they say. Yeah. Uh, so, to make your party really happy... You've got to dump wits and put everything into manipulation. Don't do this. Unless your entire group's doing this, you're going to piss someone off. Well, it's not tried to perception, so True. hey, you know. Oh, yeah. What's the worst that could happen with dumping wits? So there's this giant axe just swinging. I'm going to touch it. Alright, so there's this giant, evil, glowing-looking thing. I, I loot the room. Are you sure? Yes! I put the Spear of Annihilation in my pocket. <laughs> I put my head inside the orb. That's a thing that happened in, like, uh, do you know High Rollers? Uh, no, I don't believe so. It's a D&D, uh, it's another D&D podcast kind of show thing that's better than us uh but yeah they did a campaign in like the forgotten realms and essentially one character was like uh they described this like giant black orb and like one of the characters is like oh, i'm just gonna put my head in it and the dm's like oh, alrighty then so your character puts your head in it then falls down dead <laughs> Oh, so it's the lava rules. Yeah. There was a supplement that I... Supplement the player in my mage game shared. Where basically the entire thing is... Yeah, basically amounted to... If there is lava in any, ga in any game system, if there is lava and you touch it, you die. Wow. That's severe. Well... Yeah. Yeah. Unless it's a system that allows you to gain complete immunity to it. Yeah. Like just having forces for and Mage of the Awakening. Yeah. So yeah, we were attributes. 
There's... Duh, duh, duh. Yeah, then there's the skills. So you've got archery, which is exactly what you say it is exactly what you think it does. Uh, then you've got athletics, which represents your general fit, physical fitness. Uh, it's basically used, it's often used in, in conjunction with either strength or dexterity for uh, gracefully dodging out of the way of something or forcing open the bars of a cage. Awareness is how aware of your surroundings you are. It's usually used with perception, though you can probably see it with wits just as often. Uh, brawl is exactly what it sounds like. Bureaucracy is the skill that no player will ever take. <laughs> I'm just being honest here. You're not wrong. <laughs> Except maybe me just to go against that stereotype. I mean, hey, if your G GM has a cool idea for, like, a bureaucracy-type encounter, okay. go for it. But, I mean, come on. We're gonna, get, we're gonna get so much hate mail from our one fan about how useful bureaucracy is. I mean, how bureaucracy has all the good charms. Hey, if you ha if you know how useful bureaucracy is, send us an email. All I need to say... I use my ox body technique against your bureaucracy charm. All I'm saying. <laughs> There's probably some way to do that. Probably. Maybe There's probably a martial arts that has to deal with bureaucracy. But yeah. But yeah, it's basically how good you are at not being fucked over with a contract. And also your understanding of the laws of a society. So it's actually fairly useful if you if the DM notices that you have it on your sheet before the game starts and gives you insider information as to the politics of the setting. Oh yeah. Well, yeah, if you're running a politics heavy game, oh, yeah. it if you're is running probably a politics heavy game. It's great. But I mean, but and it's also pretty good for how not to Basically, how not to piss off Imperial officials. Stop. You've broken the law. Let me guess. Someone took your sweet roll. Yeah, essentially. Yeah. Uh, yeah, then there's craft, which... You build stuff. Yeah. You build stuff good. Yeah. And there's a very complicated system that goes along with it. I mean, there's a simplified version, but there's also the super complicated one. Yeah. That you have to spend experience, you get different types of points yeah. for building stuff. Basically, you have to trade, hone your ability to craft yeah. as a separate, like, thing. I mean, it's really nice if you know how to use it, but that's probably all your character's going to be good at doing. Mm. Unfortunately. I mean... I suppose if, like, your characters have downtime and stuff, mm -hmm. it can be a good thing to do then. Mm -hmm. But, like, you're not going to yeah. use it every session, most likely. Yeah, it's not really the type of thing that comes up that often. Unless, like, but yeah, downtime, it's a good mm -hmm. time to use it. Uh, but, that might, again, that might depend on how long your sessions yeah. run, perhaps. And then there's dodge, which is, yeah, it contributes to your evasion stat. 
basically just what it does. Well, athletics can be used for a quick get out of the way. Uh, dodge is really the skill you want to use for that. It's yeah. It also deals with fighting on hazardous terrain. Basically, athletics is non-combat. Dodge is combat. Integrity is basically how it's basically how unshakable your will is. How difficult it is to convince you of something or to do something. This stat is also known as stubbornness. Yep. No, you go to the grocery store. I mean, it'd be incredibly petty to I'm not doing the dishes, I just cooked. <laughs> Roll integrity. Jeez. It contributes to your resolve. Yep. Which is your derived stubbornness stat. There's also investigation, which is detective work. Yep. So, if nobody takes this, then your campaign is fucked. I mean... I'm not. Most of the time, at least. Just because this is the thing that drives the plot more often than not. True. And really anything that has any amount of subterfuge involved. Unless, like, you want to have... I mean, it depends. Unless you want to have, like, an over-the-top anime villain, I suppose. True. But, I mean, those are better for the middle management rather than the man behind the man. True. You gotta have your quirky mini-boss squad. The Genyu Force. Or the Dragon-Blooded Force. Holy shit. Dragon-Blooded Captain Planet. I mean, <laughs> you're not... Hmm. You expect it to be the Lunars. But it was them, the Dragon-Blooded. With our powers combined, they'll kick your ass. So yeah, then you've got Larceny. Which is basically anything criminal that you can do. Uh, Pickpocketing, lockpicketing... Lockpicking. Lock if you listen, if you mispronounce something, you just have to double down on it and hope no one calls you out on it. No, it is lockpicking. It's when you stand outside with a sign in front of the locked door and then someone opens it for you. Ah. Uh. Or, wait. That could refer to the common corporate espionage practice where you carry a bunch of really heavy stuff. Say that you, and then ask someone to open the door for you so you can get into a locked room. Ah, classic. Truly, you are a master thief. Linguistics, basically your ability to read and write. Yeah, I think if you don't have any of this, you're a little... Oh, yeah, uh, character must have at least one dot of linguistics to be able to read. So, yeah, take one dot unless you're... An illiterate barbarian, which is perfectly okay. Illiterate barbarians are cool. I've played several. Lore. Yeah, lore is what you need to create artifacts. It's basically the knowledge of all stuff, ancient or academic. How much metaplot does your character know? 
and it's also used to do research in an archive or a library, and uh, it also helps with the raising of manses. Yep, which we'll get into yeah. later, hopefully. Martial arts. It's martial arts. What do you, it, like? It's different from brawl. Martial arts represents your skill at animal husbandry. <laughs> I mean, no, no, but yeah, martial yeah. arts is basically like formal fighting rather than street fighting. You also need to take a martial arts style when you first get it. Yeah, it is one of the more complicated skills, yeah. depending on how you build it. There's medicine, which is basically uh, healing ability. Yeah. Uh, melee, hand-to-hand -hand combat with different types of weaponry. Yeah. Occult, magic. Yeah, um, it's the skill that lets you use sorcery. Yep. Which we'll also get into yeah. later. If you're playing a Twilight cast, you'll need some occult. There's performance, yeah, which is like dancing or singing or yeah, basically it's anything that you can. It's basically any type of performance art. Yeah, uh, usually used. Uh, usually used in exchange for money, but. It also covers speaking through, uh, speaking a, a prepared speech, and it's used to influence people in that case, then. And then there's presence, which is the way, it's basically, uh, your, it's basically the leadership skill. It's how you basically how you get people to do what you want through force of personality. Does this al always overlap with the charisma attribute? Pretty much, but you could probably make a good case for a manipulation presence if you really tried. Uh, but that would be a little bit more drawn out. Resistance is basically, you know, how well you deal with pain. Yeah. Ride is how well you ride a horse or a carriage or a motorbike, I guess. It's also good for mounted combat. Yeah. There's sail. Sail is basically just ride, but for boats. Wait, yeah. And, oh. So I just noticed this, but also applies for hot air balloon skyships. Well... And some of the stuff from the first stage. Yeah. I mean, hey, if you want to run a campaign. I will invest five merit dot. Or not merit. It might be. Yeah. You'll invest I'll, experience. I'll invest as much experience as possible to get to start out with an airship. I mean, there we go. There's your first, there's your first uh, quest. Get an airship. Yes. Just Final Fantasy your way through all of creation. Mm -hmm. Socialize. So the world doesn't loop around when you go to the other side. It's kind uh, of disconcerting. Oh yeah, that 
wow, now that I think about it, not having a round world with airships is really inconvenient. Yeah. Like, you make it to the end of the world and a whole bunch of eldritch horrors come out of nowhere. You ever play Golden Sun? Uh, no, but I have heard of it. Okay, so, first two are great, third one's garbage. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, similar Flat Earth theme, but the one thing that sets it apart from Final Fantasy, you never get an airship. Mm, curses. Uh, you get a series of boats, though. And the airship just, uh, yeah, the airship just kind of can't happen. Yeah. Jeez. <sighs> uh, socialize, characters' understanding of social stuff, manipulation, yada, 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 discern inner thoughts, conceal stuff, stealth, which is basically hiding, survival. Basically, how well you'll do in the wilderness. Throne, which is used for throwing weapons. War, basically used if you're leading someone, yeah. using strategies, etc. Yeah, it's also basically just knowledge of tactics. So, basically, uh, if you want to just condense a battle, you can have someone just roll uh, intelligence war and have that be the outcome of the side troops while you're running the main thing. Yeah, if you're a storyteller and you want some form of randomness to how a battle yeah. will go, and perhaps to use to decide like what the PCs will do, you'll just roll war for like an NPC and be like, okay, th this side is losing and they'll yeah. need this to help. Mm -hmm. Yeah, basically allows you to frame conflicts better, which if you're running a war game, it's very important to make use of this. Uh, overall, there's also a section on leadership, which is basically about completing different types of projects and stuff Yeah. in Chapter 5. It's basically... Uh, it's basically you lead a bunch of people to complete a different goal, you basically determine like if it's possible and you basically see how it goes forward from there how it's properly uh, or if it succeeds or if it fails and what it looks like when it fails now we're getting on to merits did we already go through merits? no we didn't oh but yeah, merits are basically like extra things your character will have. They're separate from like charms as they are not always supernatural in nature. Yeah. I mean, some of them are things like ambidextrous or allies. Basically just things about your character that the regular stats wouldn't cover, but add a little bit. Uh, they all cost a couple extra dots when creating them in character creation. Uh, let me see, there are standard merits such as allies, ambidextrous, artifact, artifact. Also, yeah. then there's also stuff like cult. Uh, oh yeah, there are different types of merits. There's yeah. innate merits which are taken during character creation, purchased, purchased at character creation is normal, or advanced, don't need to. And story, once play begins, you can get this uh, merit somehow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so basically it just... Uh, For instance, 
allies is a story merit. You must make allies in the game, like talk to people and roll social uh, action. And ambidextrous is innate, as in you were born being ambidextrous. Yeah, and remember how I said with appearance that it doesn't necessarily represent good appearance? Yes. Or attractive appearance? There is the hideous merit, which costs zero dots, but uh, you add your appearance bonus to attempts to threaten or intimidate rather than to instill and persuade. And the drawback is that you subtract your appearance from most seduction attempts. Ah. Unless someone's into that shit, which, I mean, regardless of what you look like, there's someone who's into it. There's always someone for you, yeah. even if you really don't want there to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Language is also a merit, mm -hmm. which is very interesting. As accounted to, like, linguistics as a skill. Yeah. Each... Uh, it comes with a list of different languages people can speak, which can be very useful if you have, a, like, a traveling campaign. Yeah. Uh, and there's not really uh, areas where the empires spread. Probably all... They probably all have a little bit of a common language, but you're going to need... Anytime you go to a different region, you're going to need... Uh, learn a new language. So yeah, it is basically very essential to have at least one dot in yeah. language. Mm -hmm. Yeah, unless you're... Yeah. Unless you're really straying really far from all the social stuff and just having your party talk for you. There's also supernatural merits. Yeah. Such as chameleon, which allows you to change the patterns and colors of your skin. Most of these appear to be like wild mutations or of the like yeah claws fangs hooves horns venomous while locking wings they are all or, yeah they're very they tend to be very expensive poisoned body quills see i like a lot of these but they're probably this expensive just because it means that you don't get to take, like, allies or artifact. Because if you're taking five dots and wings... Yeah. I mean, hey. I mean, it's useful, but wouldn't you rather have an airship? <laughs> <laughs> no, wings are cooler. But, yeah. These supernatural merits are part of the reason why I'd want to play in a game in the East. Just because beastmen are all the more common. Yep. And I like a little bit of that. Yeah, beastmen are basically animal people. Yep. They were created by the Lunars, I believe, mm -hmm. to like help them in their goals. Yeah. Yeah, and in addition to uh, merits. merits, we've also got flaws, uh, like addiction, amputee, blind, deaf, derangement. Which are basically different types of mental, mental disorders. Uh, sterile, which is really mostly a problem for dragon-blooded because, well, their whole thing is based around their bloodline. Uh, and wild mutant. 
which that's basically just if you look so that's basically if you're in an area where uh, beastmen and such aren't really trusted or if you're just really fucking weird looking because of all the mutations I mean personally I'd allow someone to play a person with the various supernatural merits that actually do mutate you without taking this just because creation's a weird place yeah the social penalty wouldn't always affect and if you look really goddamn majestic because of all that people aren't gonna view you as a mutant you might even have dots and cult because of it mm -hmm. Uh, anyways, uh, then there's willpower, which works pretty much the same way as in Classic World of Darkness. Yeah, you use it to, you spend it to, like, use charms or get extra dice. Uh, Add one automatic success to a single roll. Yeah, and you need to spend it before you make the roll. Uh, so you can't use it to save your roll last minute. Social yeah. influence, etc. And you gain it from sleeping. Uh, you also get more of it from protecting your intimacies, uh, achieving major story goals, and performing stunts. So, uh, intimacies. Basically, your attach. I think we already went over this. Oh, yeah. Attachments to, like, yeah. different things. Yeah. Uh, so the way health is done in Exalted, uh, basically, instead of having numerical health, you have boxes. Uh, when you fill them out with uh, lethal or bashing or or aggravated damage, uh, which work basically the same as in Classic World of Darkness. Yeah, one slash, two slashes, or three slashes, yep. which basically indicate different levels of severity that the attack gave you. Yeah. And the way health works, basically you have, uh, basically every health level has a penalty associated with it, and when you cross that box off, you take that penalty. Yeah. And it goes from minus zero all the way to minus four, and then after your last box, you're incapacitated. and Exalted heal a lot faster than mortals. Yeah, there's even a merit called Exalted Healing. Yeah. But yeah, uh, recovering, uh, and I like the way this works, or the way it scales, just because the more hurt you are, the longer it takes to heal the last health box. Yeah. Which I think is more, uh, a bit more realistic than like a hit point system where you are just as strong at you're just as strong at 1 HP as you are at 100 and where all HP heals the same no even if it's just bashing damage if you get beaten to shit even if you don't get any bones broken it's still gonna take a couple days before you're back on your feet as a mortal as an exalted it's different but Oh wait, no, uh, 
recovering a minus four as an exalted is two days. Yeah. So yeah, uh, if you get beaten to shit, it's gonna take some time to heal it, unless you have ways to circumvent it, which you probably do. <laughs> Namely, ox body technique, which gives you more health levels. I'm going to keep showing ox body technique. I mean, I don't blame you. And then you'll have to watch me play a character who never takes it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Crafting, we mentioned, had a lot of different rules to it. Effectively, it has several different types of experience that are used for crafting projects. There's silver, which is used for basic projects and can be spent to finish majors. There's gold, earned from ma completing major and can be spent for superior, and white, which are com used for completing superior products and can be spent to finish legendary product pro projects. Uh, as of crafting, you need like the specific tools and workshop necessary in order to complete something. You also have different slots, which is a representation of how well your focus is split between different projects. Yeah, they typically only have three project slots to work with, but they can spend ex crafting experience to gain even more of them. So, like, if you're doing several minor projects while doing a major one, then, you know. Or it can be represented like you're doing several bits of a major project. Or a legendary project, rather. Yeah. And each, like, basic, major, and legendary cost different amounts of slots for in order to, like, create them. Oh, it has. It also has to do with like the rating of the artifact you wish to create, etc., etc. Repairing items also gets you like basic silver, uh, gold, or white experience. So basically, if you want, yeah, again, crafting is a huge investment, and you're gonna really want to keep track of it. Yeah. Or. Just have an NPC crafter who assists the party. Just shove that shit onto your DM, why don't you? As a player, treat that character very, very nicely. Yeah. Or else you will never get a single magic item ever again. I mean, you can always loot it from, like, a grave or something, but True. that's, that's but a bit mean. You'll never have your own. Plus, those ghosts are going to be pissed off, and what if someone brings that corpse back? I mean... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ghosts are typically nonplussed about life in general. But yeah, so... Uh, Mar uh, should we go to martial arts, or should we go over charms briefly? I forget how in-depth we went last time. Uh, with charms, uh, basically I just mentioned that they existed, and ox body technique is one. Well... Charms are basically like, yeah. uh, if I repeat myself, I if I have repeated myself, I apologize. Charms are basically things that you can do uh, better thanks to the fact that you are an exalted. Uh, for instance, excellencies are generic charms. Uh, you channel essence into what you do, the fundamental power, yada yada yada. 
your powers are amplified, it can produce dramatically potent results. Uh, for instance, an example is excellent solar larceny, which is one moat per die, larceny one, essence one, supplemental, and no prerequisites. And prerequisites times are at least one larceny charm or larceny as cast or favored. The, the exalt channels essence into her hands, making them deceptively fast and nimble, capable of switching tiles, palming objects, pickpocketing. She may use this power to quicken her wits in order to formulate deceptions to increase her cunning, identify likely targets for robbery or deceit. Basically, it, it adds dice to whatever you do. Basically, you spend your motes of essence to add a dice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, also important to note, uh, solars automatically gain an excellency every time they have a... Anytime they have a cast or favored ability, where they have at least one dot. So, yeah. And any ability they've learned to charm in. So, yeah, basically, if it's your... Yeah, if you're a solar and you are, like, a dawn cast, you can always spend modes to improve your brawl ability. Yeah. Uh, charms can be relatively, you know, uh, what's the word? Uh, not bland, but simple like these to like, uh, or arrow storm, arrow storm technique. Seething with remonstrative ire, the solar palms a storm of essence and fills the sky with demonstrative fire. With this attack, the solar unleashes a barrage of arrows, arrows around a focus, striking essence times three targets up to a minimum range from our initial target. Or it could be like. Mm, there's a lot of charms. Yeah, there are. There's over 100 pages. So, yeah, they can basically be simple as an excellency or complicated as basically one of the higher level charms. They do have like prerequisites such as like level of essence and skill. So, you're gonna. So, uh, you might wanna look. And. They also have prerequisites with different types of charms, like, uh, yeah, where? So, uh, like one extra step, which allows you to take a second movement. Also, you need to take Godspeed steps first. Then there is Lock Opening Touch, another neat one, where basically, you can open a mundane lock simply by touching it and paying five motes, and you can actually attempt to pick a sorceress lock with it. And you can pay one moat to gain nine again, or double nines, not nine again. And you gain automatic successes equal to your essence rating. Mm -hmm. So basically, uh, you will always pick the lock, but uh, a failure on the roll could still could still kind of suck for you. Yeah. Uh, Charms cover most uh, yeah. attributes slash 
Yeah, they range from just uh, extensions of a skill that are done exceptionally well, which is kind of the solar thing, to actually changing the fabric of the universe a little bit to make that using that skill easier for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and there are some charms that are more than just extensions of the skill, like wild shaping technique which allows you to shape the tides of chaos by just thinking about it really hard uh, and with all the and with all the lore you've learned going towards this you can basically just force the wild to take a physical shape basically you know it sort of emulates sorcery in a bit, but you're going to have yeah. to be like near a location near the wild, oh, yeah. which can make it somewhat... It uh, makes it a bit harder to use than sorcery. Albeit. So yeah. Uh, other than charms, you also have martial arts, yeah. which are... they can get extremely over the top. <laughs> they are... they tend to be like... to use them, you have to use... A, Oh, geez. Again, you have to have the martial arts merit and at least some ranks in the skill, I suppose. Basically, it's uh, it's kind of a kind of an XP tax in order to use it. Yes, they can be very useful. Yeah, they make up for that by just being ridiculously powerful or just interesting. Yep. Each martial arts has different like weapons and armors that need to be used in order for it to or to to use it rather for instance and there are also different levels of like martial arts <laughs> there is terrestrial martial arts there is solar martial arts and there is sidereal martial arts i believe yeah. there's a terrestrial celestial and sidereal i forget yeah in core, you've got the snake style, um, which uh, snakes it favors unarmed attacks. Then you've got the tiger style, which also favors unarmed attacks, which are generally uh, claws, uh, and any unarmed attack that you use a tiger charm with can be stunted to deal lethal damage and it's also compatible with light armor. Martial arts basically come with their own charms effectively. Yeah. It's basically a new combat subsystem that just I feel it really enhances the game. If you're doing a battle heavy game uh, it's gonna be really useful to know this section. Yeah. Or at least... And then there's the sword style. Single point shining into the void style. Which <laughs> That's is, a name. It's kind of long. No, oh, yeah. I'm trying to find a heavy armor one. I don't think any of them are heavy armor. Uh, sword was medium armor. Again, there's also White Reaper is compatible with all armor. Mm. Which... White Reaper style uses a spear or scythe. Effectively, you tend to have to need like a teacher to use martial arts yeah. as well. 
martial arts aren't really something you pick up by yourself. That would be covered by Brawl. Yeah. There is a spell called Death Ray. Huh. Notice that. Wait, is it literally just called Death Ray? It's, it's called Death Ray. Yeah, it is called Death Ray. Huh. Costs 2 willpower and 25 motes. It says SM. Oh, SM. Sorcery motes. Sorcery motes, yeah. Yeah, just... It's just called Death Ray. It deals aggravated damage, it's decisive only, and... So really, a thing called Death Ray is perilous. You don't say... Yeah, it allows you to roll Intelligence Occult as a decisive attack and add your essence as automatic successes. So they have single point shining into the void style and death ray. Yes. It's just called death ray. You know what? I ain't even mad. And it's not even one of the better ones. But it's called Death Ray, so I think it... Yeah, then there's Reign of Doom, which costs 40 sorcery notes. Motes. Yeah, 40 sorcery motes, 3 willpower, and basically it just makes it rain acid until sunrise. Which deals aggravated damage, by the way. Jeez. But yeah, what I'm getting at is that sorcery is... Very powerful. Yeah. Uh, where is... We should probably get into, like, uh, the specifics of sorcery. As with martial arts, there are three circles. Uh, yeah, terrestrial, celestial, and solar. Because uh, only the solar exalted could master that level of sorcery. Yeah, the realms call it the Emerald and Adamant Circle. And they don't talk about the last one because they don't like the Solars. Can't attribute them to anything. Well, it's because the Solars are horrible, are horrible anathema who were rightfully destroyed by the God of, I mean, the Scarlet Empress. I don't think the Scarlet Empress is the one that destroyed them. I think it's just oh, the no, attribute. it's just yeah. the... The parallels. Yeah. Warhammer cross exalted. No. They discover a flat. They discover a flat world in the, the middle of the warp. <laughs> I mean, it could work, but it it would require a lot of work to get it to fit together. I mean, I mean, there's already the theory that Warhammer and Warhammer Fantasy take place in the same universe. Well, I mean, that's because... The nature uh, of the warp, etc., etc. Yeah, uh, and... Yeah, I think, I think that was confirmed at one point. I thought it was debunked at one point. Uh, All I know is that they should, bring, they should bring stouts back. Stouts were cool. I think they already did, actually. Oh. Huh. Or at least... Whatever. I know they brought them back temporarily as, uh, I think they were, uh, Tyranid slaves. But I could be wrong. 
Yeah. Anyway, becoming a sorcerer, you have to gain some sort of enlightenment, typically from like a teacher or a demon or an elemental or a god, etc., etc. Yeah. Which kind of which can affect the way you cast spells. Yeah. So. Ifrit lords, Mara. Yeah, those are known as shaping rituals. Yeah. Uh, Catch-all term for alternate ways in which a sorcerer may gain sorceress motes. They can be used to represent sorcerers. Unique path to power, a bargain with a spirit, a legendary re relic, a taboo that must be kept. Five sample archetypes, yada yada yada, etc. Sorcery allows you to do stuff like cast spells or counter magic which is unravel other people's spells oh uh so it does mention mortal sorcerers for a second oh um, yeah there are definitely mortal yeah, sorcerers um, they may initiate into the terrestrial circle by mastering a shaping ritual which is a five dot merit that requires a cult tree um, yeah the first spell they learn becomes the control spell and most only ever learn one ritual yeah yeah, again, I think there was, like, a mage college at one point. Though I'm willing to bet that the reason they only ever attain one one ritual is because the ones who are fit to learn more are probably already exalted. Ah, uh, well, you know. But, yeah. But, yeah, shaping rituals can affect the way you, ca way you get motes and uh, cast spells. For instance, the Ifrit Lord uh, shaping ritual has unburnt majesty. Having contracted with the Lord of Flame, the sorcerer commands the fealty of lesser fires. She doubles Aetron rules to resist environmental hazards based on fire and adds her essence to both soak and hardness against pure, purely flame-based attacks such as Fire Wand Blast. Uh, their soul-piercing elixir, which is basically you drink a whole bunch of weird stuff and gain the ability to cast spells. Yeah. There's Talisman of the Thousand Eyes, which is basically an object you use to uh, gain spells. Uh, the list on spells is relatively short compared to the list of charms, which is not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. Just because it gives more emphasis to the things everyone's going to be using rather than the thing that your Twilight cast will be using and nobody else will. Exactly. It's basically like if D and if third edition D and D had a feats section that was as long as the spells section, and a shorter spells section. It basically benefits everyone at the cost of making the wizards not ridiculously overpowered. Yeah. Even though they still seem like they kind of are. I mean, it takes a lot of investment to make a sorcerer, it appears. True. Uh, there's also sorceress workings, which are basically like the miscellaneous category yeah. for sorcerers. You have to spend XP and make different roles, sort of like the crafting system. It typically has to be done over a long period of time. Uh, the experience point. But yeah, they are ranked by ambition, which is basically how big your sorceress working can be. And it also depends on like what level of sorcery you have.
uh, for instance, solar circle uh, workings would be impossible for a terrestrial circle sorcerer, but a solar circle will have almost no problem doing anything in the terrestrial circle. A terrestrial circle is typically done with like changing the world that you already have, uh, such as enchant fields in a village with like a blessing, or create a larger. Wait, what? Most powerful works of this circle are confined to the scope of a single chamber within a large structure or transformation of a single character. As a general rule, any sorceress feed the sorcerer. Storyteller field should be be routine for dragon blooded or mortal to fall under the circle. Ambition one, which is you need at least five successes, I believe. Create or bind magical entities to perform chores. Uh, ambition two, which is goal ten, cross two different species of plants or animals to create a hybrid species, which is owl bears. Oh yeah. Well, you've got to have your mix and match critter of type right. sorcery. Yeah, effectively. Because you have to explain how the weird shit that wasn't made by the wild got there. Yeah, an ambition one for celestial workings cost 25. Wait, well. Wait. Ambition 1 for Celestial is 25, while Ambition 1 for Solars is like 40. There's also Finesse of a Sorcerer. Uh, finesse as part of a Sorceress working. Oh yeah, there's also three rules for like the limits of Sorcery. Uh, immortality has a catch, no resurrection, and no time travel. So basically what it's saying is the exalted are weaker than mages. I no. mean... <laughs> no. For those of you at home, it's because I have had some very interesting experiences with time travel in mage games. I'm pretty glad that time travel isn't an exalted. Yeah. Because that would get... Yeah. Any ability that lets you make a save point is overpowered. Finesse of a sorceress working is the extent to which a sorcerer controls how the effect manifests. Ranked on a scale of 1, 3, or 5, and set by the player. The base difficulty of intelligence cult role to perform a sorceress working at each interval is equal to the working finesse. While every sorceress working is defined by sorcerer's intention, finesse determines the extent of the sorcerer player gets to dictate how the intent is fulfilled. For example, a sorcerer wished to ward a chamber against demons, a finesse one working and a finesse five working would both be equally effective, but the nature of the mechanics of finesse one working would be dictated by the storyteller, while finesse five would be dictated by the player. While sorcerer's three would be like the player comes up with a rough description of how it works, which the storytellers can polish, polish or embellish as they please. Means is basically the resources you use to do it. 
For instance, these means can be complementary ability. These means can be used to lower the cost of a spell, like complementary ability, spells, cooperation with another source for extra time, exotic components, like rare, materi rare materials such as jade, or perhaps a specific magical artifact. Yeah. There's also like laboratories and infrastructure you can use. There's also mechanics working beyond the circle that you already are initiated into, which basically increases the difficulty by two for each circle beyond the searcher's own initiation. Basically, initiation into a different circle like cost different things, I believe. Like you'll have to do something in story to uh, up it. You can't really undo a sorceress working either, which is the most you can, you can do is like uh, provide a working that is opposite to it. For instance, if you someone blesses a trade route to speed travel along it, a sorceress might contest it to like slow travel on the route opposed to the dragon blooded working, which like effectively cancels each other out. Effectively, both are still in place, but are counteracting each other. The easiest way to just stop a sorcerer from doing something is to just stop the sorcerer from doing yeah. it in the first place. Mm -hmm. Which leads to an interesting... Or it leads to a... Well, a classic trope of the heroes rushing in to prevent the evil sorcerer from uh, accomplishing his ritual seconds away from the sacrifice needed to seal it all. Yep. There's also thaumaturgy, which are basically miracles and ritualized magic. It is unique. It is no, there's not as versatile, but not as widespread either. Like, you can't learn it from books either. It can be described, but it may only be passed through direct teaching and practice. It cannot be observed or read. Uh, it is a merit one can take and unlocks the powers. Uh, when you have a sorcery, you can unlock this merit automatically. Mm -hmm. Mortal sorcerers, however, don't gain it automatically and it cannot be taught. Hmm. Examples include Raiding the Leaves, a one-dot ritual involving the taking of tea in order to divine a character's destiny. The character's destiny is to be read, must empty tea leaves into a hot teacup, then dwell over the steam and reflections in the cup, and drink it down while emptying his mind of clutter. When the tea leaves when the tea is gone, only the leaves remain, the mystic may divine her target's greater destiny with a difficulty to perception plus occult. The greater destiny informs the character's next finding accomplishment is not a prediction of where the character's life will end, but rather the next major course it will take. The mystic may also read a character's immediate destiny to get an idea of the most important life event the character will engage in that day, their difficulty of four. Uh, you can still fail it, but rather than like 
outright not knowing anything, you just get vaguer information, which, yeah. albeit you have to kind of lean on in a role-playing game, yeah. as you're not fully in control of what a character does. Yeah. Mm. Uh, there's also the fact that the well botching for the ritual makes sure that it misinforms the player and the character uh, but uh, you don't really know how much just because of the various ways you can misinform someone mm. but yeah and of course, reading tea leaves is pretty common. Uh, it doesn't really provide that many, uh, that many of these rituals in the core book. But again, I but suppose yeah. it's mostly so you can make your own. Yeah. Mm. All right. So. Should we go on to like? Artifacts and geography, or should we save that for another episode? We should save the artifacts and geography for another episode, just because I want to read over some stuff, and uh, I'll send you the artifacts book. Alrighty then. See, uh, see you next time. Alright, see you next time.